Well, good morning, everybody, or whenever you're watching this back. If you're not able to join us live, it's really lovely to jump into wherever you're watching this from um, our belt building here. I want to start off by asking us a question, and it's a question I kind of challenge myself with, that I think we find the answer to in this story that we're going to look at today of God's journey um, towards freedom with his people. But the question is, do you believe that God is powerful? And do you believe that he is still at work in his world? in a personal way to change circumstances in an aware, and also in a way that would affect millions and millions of people across this planet. Do you believe he is powerful? I'm going to put my cards on the table and say that I do. I absolutely do believe that God is still involved in his world and that his words that he speaks shape our reality, what's real and what is true, and that God can change our circumstances through the words that he brings, not just um, from his scripture, from his word, but actually through us as his people, as his family and body on this earth. So we're going to journey through this very strange, peculiar history um, moment that is the story of the Exodus. And today's moment that we're jumping in on is all about the plagues. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how that makes you feel. It's a bit, when I saw the topic come through, I was like, oh, a bit, bit um, difficult to speak on. Huge wad of um, the scriptures, isn't it? But really interesting. And it's personal as well as corporate. It's personal because it involves the story of one man whose name means drawn out because God drew him out and then wanted to use him to draw others towards freedom. That's Moses. He's a very familiar person to us, isn't he? But it's also the story of millions and millions of people on the planet who uh, we follow their journey. And it's absolutely incredible what God does with them. And so there is a power battle at work that we see very clearly in this story, but it's not one-sided. There isn't... Um, it's not an even fight. And that's what is amazing for us to see today as we look at the scriptures together. And I don't know about you, but I quite like um, the fact when I hear, you know, God's my father, I'm his child. I'm looking to him for comfort. I'm looking for him for solutions. And I look to him for the desires of my heart. And I don't know about you, but I like it when that happens really quickly, right? Let's be honest. I like it when it happens and it's easy. But um, what about things that happen when we're God's children and we do feel oppressed or we are oppressed? Maybe we're mistreated. Maybe we feel wronged. Maybe we feel silenced. What happens to our faith in that time? And this is a story that speaks into that. So if you're in a place where you feel a bit powerless, where you might feel that you've lost your voice, maybe you're faced with something that really does not look like it's going very well for you at the moment, and you can't see what God is doing, and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting what is God doing to bring about a solution? Well, this message of the plagues and the power behind them is for you today. And I'm just going to say, it's really frustrating, the waiting, isn't it? We're at the moment waiting to buy a house. It's really annoying. And we're sort of asking ourselves the question, God, what on earth are you doing in this? What are you doing in me? What are you doing in us? 
But we can be reassured that there is a plan that's at work. Even when things seem to get worse, there is a freedom that God has got for us. So it's very specific how God does this. And it's quite um, peculiar and a little bit strange because there's a tyrannical leader, Pharaoh, who has oppressed these people for years and years and years. And he is a physical presence, but there's also a spiritual presence of oppression that's at work over people. And in Exodus chapter 7, verse 6, we hear the words that God gives to Moses that are very clear and very specific, that he is to go to this oppressive ruler and speak out to him. And he repeats them and he repeats them and he repeats them and he repeats them. And I won't go all over the times that he repeats them every single plague, but you can hear the kind of perseverance in Moses and Aaron as they have to go to this oppressive ruler and speak out God's words to him. And this is what God tells Moses to say. Announce to him The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. You've refused to listen. So this is what the Lord says. I will show you that I am the Lord. Look, look. And so we see this very... um, interesting story that is about to unfold, a huge dramatic unveiling of the power and the spectacle of God in the world. And we get to see it from lots of different perspectives. And hopefully inside those different perspectives and those different peoples and those groupings, we'll find ourselves and we'll find what God might want to say or do in our lives. First of all, and I'm going to say this, we can find ourselves in the character of Pharaoh, Don't know if that's a bit uncomfortable to hear. I find myself in the character of Pharaoh. I'm not very good at um, feeling controlled and having people come and tell me what they think I should be doing. And Pharaoh is somebody who really reacts against a message that's come from God that says, let people go, let them be free, don't control them, don't let it be done just your way. And if I'm being totally honest, I'm going to hold my hands up. I want things to be done my way, in my time. And I think quite often of us, uh, we often do, don't we? And we've got a fear of actually letting other people go, letting God be free to do what God wants to do in his time. So I see myself in Pharaoh. I see my heart get resistance the more people come to me and tell me the same thing. It's like I dig my heels in and go, no. And I harden my heart like Pharaoh hardened his. So sorry to confess this to you this morning, but I find myself in Pharaoh. I also find myself in the magicians, the sorcerers, the sorcerers, sorcerers, the sorcerers. <laughs> I do not find myself in a sorcerer. I find myself in the sorcerers and the wise men and the music. Mu- <laughs> magicians oh dear I need help with my words this morning and sometimes I actually think I'm the best person at doing all the tasks does anyone else think like that you think you have um, the ability to make things happen in your own strength and in your own might and it's called the curse of competency we all have it there are areas in our lives where we think we're absolutely brilliant and no one else can touch it and also I hate to confess this I sometimes think I can do it better than God. I can strive and do things in my own strength that actually God wants to do. And that can work for a while. 
That's the strange thing about this. But then it reaches an end. It's got a finite point, and we actually have to realize as humans, we can't do everything. And those magicians, sorcerers, and wise men were able to replicate some of the things that God was doing with his power. And I don't like seeing that in the Bible, but it's there. And sometimes there are things and powers at work in this world that can replicate up to a point some of the things God can do. And we have to be very aware that that is a reality in our world, that we could do that. But it doesn't mean we should, and it does mean we reach a limit because we're only human. The next thing I relate to are the Egyptian gods. They are idols and graven images. And each one of them on their own was trying to fulfill a very human need. And what happens again is all of these gods might have provided some sort of false comfort or some sort of support. But they were a phony imitation of what God could do, and they could only cover one of the bases where God could sort it all in one. And as we look through each of the plagues, we see direct hits come against these graven images and these idols. And I wonder if there are things that we turn to in our lives that are, we feel are solid, we feel could help us in a certain area. Maybe we look to our children to provide us some support that we think they could bring us. Maybe we look to our partner. Maybe we overcompensate and look to our friends. There are all sorts of things that we do. There are strange habits that we pick up that we think will help us. Those are our versions of graven images. They're ingrained on our brains. They're what we think about and turn to when times get tricky. And this story is a story of truth that doesn't hide from the fact that we have those established in our lives. So we have also Moses and Aaron and this, these characters. And what's amazing is that before Moses felt very on his own and very isolated, but this time he gets to do this power confrontation with Aaron. And God is always saying to us, isn't he? His power is made perfect in our weakness. He has a plan and we can persevere within it. And Moses had to go back to the place where he was totally oppressed and he was on the run from and find his voice. He had to um, be obedient to what God wanted him to say and pass that message on. He had to do things like stretch out his hand to see God's power move. And sometimes, you know, in us, we have to get active, we have to be involved, and we have to co-labor with God for how he is working with his power in our world. So the very thing, the very place he ran away from, God is saying to him, I'm sending you right back and you need to speak these words and bring my freedom to those oppressed people. I wonder if there are words that he wants to put in your mouth today, like Moses, let my people go. Then we've got the whole group of the Hebrews or the Israelites as we call them. And these people, they have been stuck waiting for this land of promise. They've been there as a, a kind of family collective, millions of them, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I don't know about you, but I totally relate to this waiting process, this questioning of God's plan, this thing of feeling like problems and oppression just keeps coming. It's unrelenting. You've got less and less resources and more and more oppression. And it's just really difficult for them to journey through and where is God in that when they feel like things are getting worse? 
So aren't we grateful to God that this story is in our scriptures? And I'm going to go through each plague one at a time, and we'll see how God used Aaron and Moses. We'll see what he did to confront these powers, because every single plague tackled one of their idols back in Egypt. So plague number one, (laughs) plague number one, God turns the Nile to blood. This is in chapter seven. And one of the gods that they had of the day was a god of the Nile. They felt, um, they looked at the water and the swirling movement of it, and they felt it would bring them life. And they had all these statues with different names that were representative of the power that they felt within this water. And wouldn't it be spectacular of God to confront that with a head-on attack and just turn it to blood? And this is how he did it. He says to Moses, strike the water of the Nile. And then he says to Aaron, take your staff and stretch it out with your hand over all the waters of Egypt. So this is how he does this one. Strike it and stretch out. And then the whole of the waters in the land turn blood red. Can you imagine seeing that when you're oppressed people and you're waiting? Oh, what is God doing in this land? Plague number two, frogs. (laughs) They had quite a peculiar goddess of fertility and water and renewal. And this goddess had the head of a frog. So, you know, God clocks that and says, ah, you like your frogs. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Aaron to stretch out his hand over the waters of Egypt and frogs, out they all come, covering the whole land, green, jumping things, absolutely everywhere, confronting the idol of the day. And I wonder where you choose to look for renewal, for refreshment. God's like, you're looking to that frog God or whatever your thing is when we should be looking to him. Plague number three. This is a direct hit on a little chap called Geb, who was the Egyptian god of the earth. And what happened is dust became loads of insects. And again, there's an involvement that happens from Moses and Aaron. Stretch out your hand, strike the ground, and then dust turned to gnats. And the, the previous two plagues, the magicians and the sorcerers, by their secret arts, have been able to replicate. But that has stopped now. It says in chapter 8, the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts. They could not. They could not. And everywhere, there were gnats on people, animals, all over the shop. And the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. This is the finger of God. So they see the hand of God at work in the world finally. But then it says, Pharaoh's heart was hard. He would not listen, just as the Lord said. Do you see the resistance that kicks off sometimes in people? Plague number four. This is a direct hit on the Egyptian god of creation, of insects, of movements, of the sun and rebirth. And this god had the head of a fly. Weren't they funny looking? And um, do you know in this particular plague, God didn't use Aaron and Moses to do anything. He did this one on his own because sometimes he wants to co-labor with us and sometimes he just wanted to go, 
I'm going to just sort that. And we don't necessarily know which one it's going to be. So all these flies came. Where his people were, though, there were no swarms of flies. And then he says that that is so that they will know that he is God of the land. So flies came. Next plague, number five, livestock. Again, God does this one on his own and and Pharaoh starts to investigate and he starts to realize that none of the animals of the Israelites have died, but still he's looking on and his feet are digging into the ground and he's like, no, I will not let them go. And each time Moses has gone to him, let my people go, let my people go, let my people go. Otherwise, 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 the consequence is this. And there was a really quite peculiar goddess called Hathor and she is where the Egyptians would have looked to for love for protection and this god had the head of a cow are you enjoying these and um, (laughs) and so of course god's like right do you know what I'm going to do another direct hit and there was another god called Apis which was a bull god (laughs) and so you see We all have these funny things that we look to that just sort of sit there and we're looking towards them for help. And God's saying, I'm going to challenge those things in your life. While you are waiting, I'm not going to miss a moment to make sure these are utterly defeated in you. And you don't take them to your new land. You don't take them to the place I'm promising you. I want this dealt with in your life. Whatever it is you turn to, let's confront it now. And this is what God says to Pharaoh. And he can't, through Moses, he says in chapter 9, there's no one like me in all the earth. For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague. And that would have totally wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I would show my power and that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth and you still set yourself against my people and you still will not let you go. Can you hear the exasperation in God? He's like, oh, what else do I have to do to get my children out from under this oppression? And do you know at the moment God is wanting to do things that pull his children out of oppression, whatever that might be in your life. And I'm not talking about just the obvious scenario that's going on worldwide at the moment. Are you ready for plague number six? Number six. This is a direct hit on a fantastically named god called Nut. Can you believe it? (laughs) This was a sky goddess and there was also a god called Set or Seth who was the god who they felt would control storms and disorder. So there's skies and storms and disorder. So if something went a bit wrong in that, this is where they would go to and give attention to, maybe feed it some fish cakes, I don't know. And um, God says to Moses, he's involving him in this one again, stretch out your hand towards the sky so that hail will fall. And then Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron. He's like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, this is quite enough now. I've really sinned. Just Can you just pray to your God just to stop this? I've had enough of this thunder and hail and I will let them go. And so they they kind of do the whole thing again and the hail stops and the skies go peaceful. And then do you know what Pharaoh did? He changed his mind again. So he said he'd let them go. He begged for the power. God did the thing he wanted to do. But then he changed his mind. And do you ever do that? God's done the thing you wanted him to do. And then you sort of forget 
You forget about God. You forget about where you should be releasing others. You sort of fail to pass that freedom on. You've been released. Things have stopped that are difficult and you don't pass that on. I do that. I do that. But let's keep going. Plague number seven. This is in chapter nine. He says, toss it up into the air. And then boils came on their skin. And they had a God that they turned to for medicine, for peace, for intelligence and wisdom. And God is confronting that. What are you turning to for intelligence, for wisdom, for healing? Plague number eight. A direct hit on the God of the fields and the protector of the crops. Are you ready? Locusts. <laughs> and they were blown in with a wind over the land. And again, Pharaoh's like, ah, I'm really sorry. I'm going to pray. Please, can you ask God to take this away from me? Take it away, take it away. And so another wind comes. To blow these locusts that were all over the land. Can you imagine? You open your drawers and just there's locusts everywhere. Oh, it would have been horrible. And then after God sends this wind again, it says that not a single locust was left anywhere in Egypt because God can send it and God can totally, totally clear it so that not a tiny little critter is left behind. And let me tell you, if there are tiny little critters around you and in your life, God will make sure they are defeated because there is a power battle going on over us and he wants it gone and sorted with not a single thing left before we move forward into freedom. Plague number nine, these gods were all sun gods. They were called Ra, Re, Atom or Etam and Horus. And what God did was he sent three days of total darkness to prove a point to people looking at the sun gods, turning to them. And God says to Moses, again, stretch out your hand towards the sky so that darkness will spread. And it was felt over the entire land. And Exodus chapter 10 tells us that no one could see anyone else or move about for three days. But listen to this. The children of God, the Israelites, me and you, had light in the places they lived. And then he says, Pharaoh says this, go, go. Even your women and your children can go, but please just leave your flocks and your herds behind. And so he's sort of saying, go, you can be free, but there's a little bit of a limitation. And you know that is not good enough for the children of God. So Moses says, no, I'm sorry, Pharaoh, our livestock too must go with us. And I love this phrase, not a hoof is to be left behind. <laughs> and when God wants to set you free, he knows what you're meant to take with you into the promises that he's got in the future. And you know, he does not want a hoof left behind and he doesn't want you attached to any of the idols from the past. He's confronting them and dealing with them so that we can be fully free in our time of waiting and our time of moving towards freedom. Last plague, plague number 10. This one feels horrendous, but we forget the tyranny and the oppression and the brutalness and the genocide that was at work within Egypt, where they were killing off Hebrew little baby boys. Here they said, the death of the firstborn was to come upon Egypt. 
And you see, Pharaoh was said to be a god. He was said to be divine, and he always came as the firstborn. And so God was attacking oppressive rulership on the earth. And God does attack oppressive rulership on the earth in us, our own control, and in others. I think God absolutely hates human trafficking. There are millions of slaves still across our world, and God wants to confront it, and maybe he'll use our voice to do it. God wants to confront control and provide, interestingly, for his own children, a saving solution for all of us who will listen, for all of us who will hear. And he says, cover the blood of a lamb over your doorsteps, and then this death and oppression will pass over. I wonder if it reminds you of anyone else we know. He says in Exodus 12 that he'll bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt because he is the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you. And it goes on to say that during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and your herds. You can take those hooves, <laughs> as you have said, and go. And then this is so interesting. And also, bless me on your way out. And then Moses he wants it remembered, this story of freedom, this peculiar, massive power battle that was going on in the world. He says, commemorate this day. Commemorate this day of freedom. Remember that torment of waiting, the power that you saw when you lifted your hands, when you spoke out those words, when you had to keep saying, let my people go, let my people go, but you persevered. And you started to see your freedom. And you started to move to the place full of hope. He says, commemorate it. And in days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So let's revisit some, some of the characters in this story. Let's revisit Pharaoh. Let's look at the magicians and the sorcerers and the wise men. Let's remember those Egyptian gods, those idols, those, those images that were engraven in their brains and pulling at their souls. Let's remember Moses and Aaron. Let's remember the Israelite people and the Hebrews who were so oppressed and had waited for so long for their freedom. And I wonder whether God would be saying to them and saying to us today a psalm, Psalm 146, that blessed or happy are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He made the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. It's like God says, I understand why you would turn to those created things, but I am God. I made them. And Paul, St. Paul said that they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshipped and served created things rather than creator, who is forever to be praised. 
Do you hear the power in this story? Do you see the hand, the finger of God that even the sorcerers had clocked? And I wonder, do you see the hand of God at work in his world to take the people who feel the most oppressed and to set them free, to take that one man who had been on the run and send him back and have something to say. And I feel today, you know, God wants us to to have a, a fresh sense of the authority and the power that he's put within us to speak over situations, let my people go, to stretch out our hand and see his power at work in his world again. I feel like we're all, we've sat ourselves down, haven't we? And God was saying to those men, stand up and stretch out your hand. Go to that person you're most scared of and speak my truth. And you know, Jesus Christ says to us that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So anything else that we turn to in this world, Jesus is reminding us, I accomplish it all. (laughs) I have finished it all. I have paid for it all. I have got your freedom in mind and I'm working on you and I care enough about you as my children to not bring the things into your new land, into a new season that you should have left behind. I'm going to challenge those idols while you're waiting. And actually, I'm going to make sure that nothing is left behind that you should be bringing with you. There's a discernment, isn't there, that um, God's kind of filtering all out. And I just felt today that maybe there are some of us who really struggle with that sense of control. A bit like Pharaoh, that, you know, the more someone says, oh, just let them go, (laughs) or just let it go. And actually, we sort of hold in our bodies a tension. And I wonder whether today God's sort of saying to us to be able to repray that prayer of trust to him. I trust you, God. Your will be done in your way, in your timing. I trust that you're doing something that I can't see in this waiting. And it would be wrong for us to move from this and not wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us afresh. When we see that God is a God who could just go and turn water to wine, a river to blood. Look at what he could do in our lives, if that's what he could do in history before. And so I'm just going to pray for us. Um, And wherever you are, I, I think there's a physical posture that he wants us to take on. And maybe some of us, we might need to kneel before him in surrender and say, God, I'm sorry, I've tried to be a controller. And actually, I choose where you've released me to release others from my way of doing things. I break the idol, that's myself. (laughs) And so if that's you, just kneel before God now and open up your hands. Take them from a, a posture of tightness and control and tension in your body. Just allow God's spirit to let you release that now in Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, we just, we pray that you would break control off us where we we want to control others and we want to control you. We want to control your timing and your way of doing things. And we see that you are always up to something, even in that waiting that was for our good. And so help us, Lord, in that. Set us free from that control. But Lord, come upon us with your power now. Maybe there are particular scenes and uh, scenarios that are going on in your life and God wants you to stand up, 
to raise your hands over them and to declare his freedom. Let this go. Let this go. Let this go. Let my people go. Let my people go so that they may worship God. Even in the wilderness, they would worship God. God is doing something, isn't he? And so just maybe now, just stretch your hands up. And just ask, God, we ask for your power to come. Your power that is made perfect in weakness. The voice and authority that you gave to a man who was on the run to go back and confront oppression. We lift our hands and we lift our voices. And we pray freedom over the children of God, over your family, God. We are those Israelites. God is saying, let them go. And his Holy Spirit comes upon us and he gives us spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts beyond what's natural. He gives unnatural knowledge, supernatural knowledge. If you need that, ask God's Spirit. He gives us supernatural faith. He gives us supernatural healing. He gives us, like he gave Moses and Aaron, the power to do miracles. Do you believe that's for you? Stretch out your hand. He gives us the words from his spirit to prophesy, to speak for him. Let them go. He gives us the ability to tell the spirits apart. He gives us the ability to speak in other languages. He gives us the ability to understand other languages. He gives us wisdom. I wonder whether you need that from God today. Don't turn to an idol. Don't turn to the wrong thing. Turn to God. Turn to God. I'm just going to end by just praying that the Lord will help us trust him. God, we just, we choose to trust you in chaos. We choose to trust you in a journey towards freedom. We choose to trust and put our hope in you, not in the things that you've created or even the things you've blessed us with. We turn to you. Turn to you.